Thanks for checking out the Southcrest Church Podcast. We are one church meeting in two locations in South Atlanta. You can find us online at southcrest.church, where you can listen to our past sermons, watch our 4G stories, and learn more about who we are. Do you see what I see? I see a church that for 16 years has loved South Atlanta one relationship at a time. A church that in the past year alone has seen more salvations and baptisms than any other year in its history. I see a church that is committed to making a lasting impact in Coweta and Troop County. A church that has deep relationships in schools and in the community. A church that has trusted God and has followed Him at all cost. But I see more. Do you see what I see? I see a church that is willing to do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus. A church that is ready for what God has next. I see a church that has established itself in Troop County and is ready for a permanent location. A church that wants to expand throughout South Atlanta. A church that gives out of the overflow of their heart. A church that is the future of the next generation. I see a church that is being the church. I see Southcrest. God has given our church an incredible opportunity to impact His kingdom. Over the next 100 days, we are asking you to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign as we move forward with all that God has planned for our church. So even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Hey, I want to welcome you this morning. Glad you're here. I want to welcome both of our campuses, whether you're worshiping with us here at our Noonan campus or at our LaGrange campus, I want to say welcome. Look at the person beside you and say, hey, it's good to see you. All right, that was a little awkward if you don't know that person. 
but now you feel like you do, all right? On, uh, on August the 28th, 1963, Dar- Dr. Martin Luther King shared a perspective that changed the lives of millions. He shared a perspective that changed the lives of millions. A speech that he had prepared to stand up and share became a speech that shared a perspective that started a movement that changed our world. We know that speech as the speech called, I Have a Dream. But the part about the speech you may not understand is this. He never intended to say those words in that speech. There was a gospel singer sitting beside him or behind him by the name of Mahalia Jackson. And in the middle of him talking, she says these words, tell them about the dream, Martin. And at that moment, he began to share his perspective. And his perspective brought power to a movement that changed the world. Have you ever thought about how powerful perspective is? You ever thought about how we think and how we view the world and how powerful it is to not only change in our own lives, but changing the lives around us? Sometimes we don't think perspective can be powerful, but perspective is really one of the most powerful things probably on the planet. A lot of us, we just say, well, well, it's just someone's opinions. Well, no, it's more than that. In fact, I want to give you what I think is a definition of perspective today. Perspective is a filter that we apply to a situation or a relationship that drives our actions. Perspective is a filter, and we apply it to a situation or a relationship, and it drives our actions. You say, well, I don't, I don't ever do that. Well, yeah, you do, because I've seen some of you on, on Facebook and Twitter. We live with filters, right? I mean, you can take a photo of something, and suddenly that photo, it looks like it's, it's, it's bright outside, and you can make it look dark outside, all because of a filter, right? Like, I don't know about you. I don't go on social media where people usually pick bad filters. Like, hey, that filter you used made you look worse. But we have filters. We understand it in our culture. A perspective is a filter that you and I apply to our life and to our situations and even our relationships that ends up driving our actions. This last week, I was listening to a speaker. I believe he's from Australia. His name is Graham Cook, and he has this whole series called The Art of Thinking Brilliantly. And in the beginning of his talk, he says these words, every action is rooted in the thought that produced it. Think about that for a second. Every action in your life and my life is rooted in a thought that produced it. Perspective is very, very powerful. So as we jump into this idea about how God wants to change our perspective today, I want to make a statement to kind of get us off the the landing ramp, to get us moving forward in in our thinking. And, And here's the statement. This is where we're going to trail today, okay? You see, we don't see the world as it is we see the world as we are. You ever thought about that? We truly don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And so a lot of times we look at our life or we look at our situation or we look at our circumstances and what God's really trying to produce with our problem is a better understanding of our own perspective. Because we see the world truly as we are. We have a filter that we've applied to that. Why is it so important? Why is perspective so important? Here's why. Because your perspective determines your path. 
how you see the world, the filter that you look through. Listen, the filter you see your marriage through is going to depend on how probably how long you'll be married. The filter of which you see your job through will probably depend on how long you stay in that job. Because your, your perspective determines your path. I mean, think about it. It sets your attitude. If your perspective's right, your attitude is different, right? It, it sets your attitude. It defines your steps in your life. It begins to see things in your life, and then suddenly it defies your circumstances in your life. I, I just want to say publicly, not everything that's happened to me in my life has been good. I think sometimes as a pastor, people look at you and they're like, oh, wow, God must have put you up there because you've never had anything bad happen to you. <laughs> wow, that's funny. That's, that's a joke, right? Like, I think sometimes God put me up here because of what he's taken me through. And so the only right you have to stand up there is because you've had a renewed perspective through the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus has changed you and the Holy Spirit is changing you. And, and that idea that it determines our path, it sets our attitude, it chooses our path, it defines our steps, and even defies our circumstances. It's very, very important in our life. If you have your, your Bible today, or if you have the Bible app, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I love it in the Bible where at the very top of a section, they give a heading of what you're going to be talking about. Kind of like a history book, Right? Like if you're talking about history, it's like this is about the Civil War. Well, in the Bible, sometimes there's those headings. And at the top of this heading, because we know it's Paul writing to the church at Corinth, it says these words, present weakness and resurrection life. And I thought, wow, that's Paul's way of saying, I've had some really bad things happen to me, but somehow God has taken it and done something to change my perspective through it. Because sometimes we even look at Paul and we go, wow, Paul must have been exempt from some of the, some of us say, man, if Paul lived in 2017, he wouldn't be as joyful as he was. Uh, I don't know about that when you hear more about his situation. Second Corinthians chapter four, we're gonna start in verse 16 and then we're gonna kind of take it from there. I just wanna read the first part of verse 16. Listen to what Paul said. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Have you ever lost heart in your life before? Have you ever just lost your perspective? I mean, raise your hand if, if in the first 15 days of January, you've lost your perspective already, right? Like, I, I just want to make a deep confession to you as your pastor. There are sometimes I go home on a Thursday and fire myself and rehire myself on Saturday at 10 p.m., right? Because I've lost heart before. Like, I get into situations and, and I go through these times where I'm applying a filter to my life and the Lord's saying, Sean, I want to do more in your life. And the truth is this. Paul faced the same thing. But I ask this question, why did Paul say this in verse 16? Well, I want to take you back to verse 1, and we're going to start there. Listen to what he says in verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Paul starts with this perspective, and here's what he says. God's mercy has created this ministry in my life, and I do not You know what perspective did for Paul? It kept him from quitting. It kept him from quitting. What ministry is he talking about? In chapter three, he tells us that through Christ, we now have this ministry in us that through unveiled faces, everything we face in life is to display the glory of God to this world. 
So in chapter 3, he kind of unpacks that for the church at Corinth, and he unpacks it for us. And in that moment, I think God's trying to say to us, hey, listen, I want to give you perspective because you have more than just misery in this life. You have a ministry, and it's going to keep you from quitting if you will have this perspective. Look what he says in in verse 2. He says, rather, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The gods of this age have blinded the minds of the unbelievers, and so they cannot even see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. What was he saying there? He said that my life and my ministry is also full of people who are trying to deceive and lead others astray. And here's what he was saying. Perspective keeps us real and rooted. Paul said, I don't have to live a life that's deceived, and I don't have to live a life deceiving other people. See, here's the thing about being deceived in our culture. The scariest lies are not the lies that you and I hear on television. The scariest lies are the lies we tell ourselves. Isn't that true? I see a lot of you nodding your head. You're like, he's so right. I don't worry so much about what other people tell me that may be fake news. I worry more about what I say to myself that is fake news. And Paul said... This perspective that I need to have about my life, it keeps me real and rooted. Think about the power of a wrong perspective. How it would change your life, how it changes your marriage. When the filter that you apply to your circumstance or your relationship is the wrong filter, or it's a bad filter, or it's not the filter that God has for you. You know, Paul understood this because there was so much deception in the early church. There were so many people trying to profit off the gospel. And Paul even understood that sometimes people often believe a lie over a truth. A lie actually sounds better sometimes than the truth, doesn't it? What perspective he has, he says, it keeps me real and rooted. And then in verse 5, he says this, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. You know what Paul was saying in that passage? He was basically saying this, perspective is what keeps me humble. He says, we don't preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. Any of you guys watched the national championship game this week? Yeah, I know we got some Bama fans in here. Okay, there'll be a prayer circle after the service. Got some Clemson fans in here today. Hoop and Holler and LaGrange Noonan. I know both of you guys, all of you guys. Let me tell you why I'm so Listen, I need a new perspective because college football's over. Y'all pray for me. Next couple months are known as the dark ages, okay? All I'm looking forward to after the Super Bowl is the NFL draft, right? And then I have to suffer through arena football till September. So y'all pray for me. But Paul, he says these words. He says, we don't preach ourselves. We preach Christ. I was watching the game Monday night and Coach Dabo Sweeney before the game, he was like, hey, what did you tell your players? What speech did you give them? How did you, how did you stand before your guys and motivate them to go win the title? I love what he said. He said this. He said, let the light inside of you shine brighter than the light shining on you. <laughs> That's perspective. 
Listen, Coach Sweeney, that will flat preach. Like when you get done coaching football, you just come on staff with us here at South Crest. All right, we'll welcome you on the team. What was he saying? It's not about you. It's just about following God and letting Jesus be lifted up. Let the light shine out of darkness, made his light to shine in our hearts. And then he says in verse 7 something that's a really cool perspective. He says, but we have this treasure. Everyone say treasure. In jars of clay to show us that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You know what perspective did for Paul in those words? Perspective caused his focus to focus on what's inside and not the circumstances that are on the outside. Here's the beauty of what he was saying. He said, listen, I have this treasure and it's in this jar of clay. What, did he have a pot in front of him? No, he's talking about his life. Now, I don't know about you. I feel like Paul in this moment, because Paul, what Paul was saying is, I am stuck in this earthen vessel, and there are a whole lot of cracks in this thing. So I just want to confess to you today, I got lots of cracks in my life. You got lots of cracks in your life, too. And some of us, we're going to spend our whole life, and our perspective is going to be, how in the world can I focus on the cracks in my life? And Paul says, you've got it all wrong. This whole thing is not about the earthen vessel and the cracks that are in you. It's about God getting in you, outside of you. And I love this thought. It's the treasure within the vessel that gives a vessel its value. And Paul said, I've got this treasure in me. This shows this all-surpassing power is from God, and it's not from me. It's the treasure within that gives me value. And so here's the way we begin to look at our circumstances Maybe all of this that God's allowing to happen in my life is only to shake me so that what's in me will spill out of me. Instead of spending your life trying to fill the cracks in the earthen vessel, maybe you ought to focus on the treasure Jesus has put in you and say, God, break me so that this whole world can see more of you. I've been through some crazy stuff. I've seen some nutty stuff in ministry in 29 years. I've been a part of some horrible situations with people. And I used to say, okay, God's allowing me to see that because he wants me to be a better leader. (laughs) And then I woke up to reality and I realized, no, God's trying to crack the outer Sean so that the inner Jesus can spill out. Man. His perspective focused on the inside instead of the outside. And then he says in verse 11, for we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And then look down at verse 15. He says, all of this is for your benefit. Everyone say your benefit. All right, for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Here's what he's saying. Here's here's what he said. Here's why perspective is important to us. That God is working a work in us so that he can work a work through us. See, some of us, when we gave our life to Christ, we thought, God just wants to change me and fix me. And so we get focused on fixing me and we don't understand the bigger deal. God's trying to change you so that you can change the world. 
And you and I are nothing more than just the conduit. And he says there, he says, all of this is for your benefit. God wants to work in you so that he can work through you. Man, what a perspective. Think about that. What a perspective Paul had. Think about how if you framed your problems according to how Paul framed his problems. What a different perspective you could have on your life, your marriage, your job, your finances. But the question is, how do you get a new perspective, right? Really, how do you change your perspective? How do you apply a new filter? It's funny, Paul actually tells us here in the the following couple verses how to do that. And I want to talk about the first thing we got to do if we're going to get a new perspective for our life. First of all is this, we need to be renewed to get a new view. We need to be renewed. How do you get renewed? By the Holy Spirit. You see, when Jesus comes and lives inside of you, it's not like Jesus personally, like, you know, the person of Jesus that walked on this earth is literally coming inside of you. How does he come inside of you? Through the Holy Spirit. And he says these words, he says, we need to be renewed. And he says in verse 16, therefore, we do not lose heart. I love it how Paul keeps using that phrase. Have you ever just gotten through something in your life and you just keep saying, I'm not afraid of that anymore. That's what Paul was saying. He says, therefore, I don't lose heart. I don't have a wrong filter perspective. He says, therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Day. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something really awkward. just want you to look at the person next to you real quick and look at them and say, you're wasting away. And some of you go, I know I've been doing slim fast. I've been doing Weight Watchers. Some of you came today to pray over your points. It's teasing. It's a great program. <laughs> Listen to what Paul was saying to us. You're wasting away. Some of you may know this. I used to weigh over 300 pounds. I lost about 100 pounds years back in the early 2000, and it really saved my life. But through that, I gained a new perspective, that it wasn't about the weight loss. It was about what God wanted to do in me. But I'll never forget, I was about 60 to 70 pounds down and I was changing clothes and trying to figure out, you know, what size I was and all this other stuff. And this one trainer came up to me and he said, hey man, you're looking really good. I said, thanks. He said, I just want to tell you something. No matter how hard you work out, you're still going to (laughs) die. I'm like between the 11th and 12th rep. I just drop the weights, just walk off. It was a good moment for me, right? Because I was so focused on outward change. And what God really wants to do is renew Sean. What God really wants to do is renew you. I mean, it's great to have an outward transformation. I've seen it, been part of it before. At one part of my life, I had four wardrobes. What wardrobe am I? <laughs> But the truth is this, he says, outwardly you're wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. If we're gonna have a different perspective, we need to be renewed to get a new view. If your view's bad, go back to letting God renew you. The second thing he says is this, we've gotta learn to process the pain so that we can make progress in it. Listen to what I said, progress in it. Process the pain. You say, what pain? 
Well, we all face pain. Listen to what Paul said in verse 17. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us. Everyone say achieving. An eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, Paul, we, we look at Paul and we go, man, he wrote so spiritually. He must have had such an, listen, Paul, he meets Jesus in the book of Acts. He falls to the ground. He's riding his horse, you know, to the road. And, he's, and he has this experience and encounter with Christ. And you would think that Jesus would say, man, I am just going to lift him up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to protect him. Like everywhere he goes, it's going to be great. Listen, the truth about Paul is every time he opened his mouth, either a riot broke out or revival broke out. There was no in between. There was no happy Sunday for him. Like, hey, let's just have him come have. I wonder if Paul ever prayed, Lord, can we just have normal church where we all just hear a good word and go home? He would walk into a city and he would preach about Jesus and they would literally pull him by his hair and they would throw stones at him. Did anyone bring stones today? They would throw stones at him. He would be left for dead on the, they would drag him out, stone him. And when they thought that he was dead, they're like, he'll never talk about Jesus again. And they would walk away. And I'm pretty sure Paul would just, just wake up and he'd say, hey guys, can you help me up so I can get to the next city? Because there's more people that need to hear about this guy named Jesus who changed my life. And Paul says these words, for our light, and momentary troubles. Have you ever had light and momentary troubles? I haven't. <laughs> Mine are heavy and long-lasting, right? Like, have you ever felt like your troubles come in three? Like something bad happens to you, and then the second thing happens, you're like, okay, where's number three? Paul says this, have the right perspective, and this is how God changes it. They're light and momentary troubles. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. I love that word achieving because I don't know about you, with what I suffer through in this life, I don't just want a participation trophy. Can I get an amen? I'm not playing for a participation trophy here. I know some of you are like, man, but I played on the team. I got the jersey and I'm just gonna get a participation trophy. Listen, I'm not into that. I want it to achieve something. You say, well, you're just uber competitive. I'm a guy. I can't help it, okay? I'll make a game out of anything. But the truth is this. Paul said, what you're facing has the power to achieve something greater in you. And then he says this word, and it far outweighs what you're facing. Think about that. See, I look at my troubles and I go, oh, you don't understand the finance. You don't understand. You don't un-. And God says, no, 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 no. What you're facing It's light compared to what God is going to do through you through that circumstance. So I wrote this down, and I really think this is true. The circumstances we are asking God to change, God wants to use to change us. So we pray all the time, Lord, would you get me out of this circumstance? And God looks through his perspective of his filter, which is always love, and he looks at us and he says, but I can't change you if you don't go through that. And my goal is for you to get your eyes off of that and realize I'm only bringing that through your life to change you. You say, what are problems good for in your life? Here's what problems are good for. Revealing your perspective. 
See, we're so focused on the problem, we don't realize what God's really trying to do is just proof our perspective. How do I know that? See, last week we, we had this huge ice storm. Did y'all hear about the ice storm and snowstorm that came through Atlanta? Right? We had, this, we had all this anticipation and, and people are like, oh my gosh, you better go, go, go buy bread. And, 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 and I saw some of you, you were selling things on Facebook. Want bread? 12 bucks. I mean, you know, you were, you were making good with it, right? And all this cool stuff's happening. But it's funny because when the snow didn't hit, what happened is our perspectives began to be revealed. And here some of you were like, I hate the weatherman. He's a goof. He can't do anything. He's an idiot, blah, blah, blah. And we're blaming the weather guy. Last I checked, God controls the weather. Listen, I know pastors, I used to think this way too. They're like, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God why he would ever allow it to rain or snow on a Sunday. Maybe God wants it to snow to just see who shows up. (laughs) Sorry, this is too much fun. It's therapeutic and cathartic all at the same time for me. But man, see, the circumstances are not the point. God's trying to change you through the circumstance. Don't ask God to remove the circumstance. Ask God to take you through the circumstance. Because what he will produce is greater. So we got to process the pain so we make progress in it. And the last thing, I think this is so, so important. We need to live for a vertical reality, not a virtual reality. He says in verse 18, listen, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen. Everyone say fix. Say it louder. All right. We got to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now, I don't know if you guys, I know some of you probably got one of these for your grandpa for Christmas. Uh, This is a virtual reality viewfinder, right? (laughs) Some of you go, I didn't buy that for my grandpa. That changed his world. It's a virtual reality viewfinder. And so the idea is you put your phone in here and with certain software, you can put this on and you can experience virtual reality. The problem is in in the true sense of the world, we have this whole thing backwards. Because see, what you and I see on this earth is just a virtual reality. And God's goal through everything we face is to get us to see a vertical reality. What heaven sees, what he sees. And he knows that if we can ever take our eyes off of our circumstances and we start living for the unseen instead of the seen, it will change how we operate in our life. It'll change how we love. It'll change how we serve. It'll change how we connect with one another. It will change how we give. It will change every single part of our life. And the enemy knows this too. So I want you to think with me, just just get this vision with me real quick. What if everything you see in this natural world is just a virtual reality? Because it just is. It's not a vertical reality. Heaven says something totally different. And and what what if by putting these on, I began to see what heaven sees, and suddenly I begin to realize that what is visible is virtual, and what is vertical is real. So here's the way it looks. See, I can look around here with the natural eye and I can say, okay, you're waiting to get to lunch. 
Um, you're, you're still mad at your spouse because they woke you up early to come to church. And, and, and you're like, hey, man, could you hurry up, right? The, the, the next football game's on. And, and so and, and that maybe is the, that, maybe that's our virtual reality of what we see. See, some of us in our life, here's what we see. Hey, I've got, Sean, I've got financial burdens. Uh, I've got a marriage that, 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 that if I don't do something, it's going to end. Uh, we see our kids and we're like, man, I've lost them to this world. I don't know how to get my kid's heart back. And so that is our virtual reality. But then suddenly Paul says, listen, don't focus on what is seen. Focus on what is unseen because what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. And what's visible is virtual, but what is vertical is real. See, I put these on and here's what I start seeing. God knows your past and he doesn't care because he knows what he sent his son Jesus to do for you. And through the cross, he's extending to you grace. God, God, God knows your financial problem. He, he's, he's not bothered by it. He, he gets it. And he wants to show you that if you will begin to get on his plan of how to be generous towards him, he will do something in your finances that you can't even think about. See, we begin to see life through heaven's eyes and we quit living for everything we see visible here on this earth. And you say, well, Sean, that would be the stupidest thing ever because suddenly you're going to put this on and you're going to walk around blind to everyone's problems. No, 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 no. I see problems through God's perspective and not my own. Listen, we need to stop living for a virtual reality and start living for a vertical one. There's more that's happening in this world than what I see with my human eyes right now. There's so much more at stake than what you think. There's so much more happening in heaven that heaven's trying to bring to earth. And God's waiting for you to get the right perspective so that he can do something in you and through you and spill it out to this world. But he's got to change your perspective. I said these words as I began, and I'll close. We don't see the world as it, as it is. We see the world as we are. My world will change when I first let God change me. Let's pray together. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you have made a decision for Christ or have any prayer request, please email us at hello at southcrest.tv. If you would like to join us in our Do You See What I See giving campaign, please check out our website at southcrest.church forward slash do you see.